tuning in to another episode of Ignite. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about something a little bit heavier, but it's still very hopeful. We're going to be talking about drug addiction, depression, anxiety, and how we can overcome those things. My guest today, Hector, is going to talk about his struggle with drug addiction and how depression and anxiety nearly killed him. He's also going to share practical ways that you can address depression, anxiety, and drug addiction in your life. Now, I would like to mention that we are not medical professionals. If you are experiencing drug addiction, depression, anxiety, any kind of mental disorder, we strongly urge you to not take this as medical advice, but to go talk to your doctor or a trusted friend. With that said, pour yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, and get ready for some inspiring, hopeful content. Hi, and welcome to Ignite Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle. And today, I have with me again, because our previous recording didn't go that great, I have Hector with me. Hello. Thank you for having me on again. Of course. (laughs) Of course. Um, As I just mentioned, we had tried to do a recording before, and since I'm pretty new at this... Uh, I had to learn some some things the hard way. Yeah, techniques, the <laughs> right. tricks of the trade that I, I went through the same thing you went through. Is always learning technology uh, that's foreign like this. I guess is the best way to put it. Is right. It's not without its learning curves. Exactly. So thank you for being here. I know Happy that you're to. busy. I know you said you love to be busy. I but... love to be busy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, I, I don't mind. It's like when I have a full schedule worth of things, I'm like, yep, fantastic. What's next? What's next? Let's check, do it. Check, yep. Check. check mark. We're good. And That's we know where great. we can uh, keep the days going. Perfect. Well, Hector, uh, you know, our last conversation was really good. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah. We talked about uh, addiction mm-hmm. and you've struggled with addiction in the past. Mm-hmm. You struggled with depression, yeah. um, anxiety, all those kind of things. And um, I think you have a really inspiring story of how you, uh, how you recognized that you had a problem and you took steps to take care of that. Yeah, we, we did, you know, we touched on a lot of good stuff last time. And I think the summary of it was that all of that, uh, all the bad things that happened to me, um, and obviously we'll go into it as we keep on, but mm-hmm. all of those things that, excuse me, I shouldn't say happened to me, but all the things that were who I was mm-hmm. are, are more so a behavior that I recognized in myself and that other people can easily recognize to avoid those things like mm-hmm. depression, anxiety, addictions, um, all kinds of uh, mental and, and spiritual disorders that kick in daily life. It happens to the best of us. and right. They're things that can and should be overcome if you really want to seek a more fulfilling life. Hmm. Would you like to... Uh talk a little bit about sure, the yeah. kind of addictions you struggle with um so i've had the physical addictions of drugs mm-hmm. um not mere nearly as bad as some of the people that i help with their addictions but i definitely had my uh excuse making and all the little things that come with uh taking pills was my favorites hmm. um, you know there's it sounds bad to say this but when you're honest and open about it there's no high to me there was no high like a pill high, something mm. about that that made my body feel like invincible and right. it felt great and all this. But all of that I discovered was a pattern of behavior that was a lie. It mm. was something that when you come down from that, you feel more miserable than why you took it to feel good in the first place. Yeah. And that's like, it's completely useless to progress. Mm. And when you step away from it and you look at it from a third, you know, from a third person view, you look at yourself and say, oh my God, this is who I've become. You could put a lot of things in perspective, which is what I did. I, I loved Vicodin. That was mm-hmm. my favorite one. And I had been prescribed Vic- uh, Vicodin when I had uh, 
my, I think my first surgery was on my lower back. Mm. But that time I didn't really like get hooked the way that I wanted to. But right. when I had my knee surgery mm. and that kept me off my feet literally for three months, uh, I had nothing better to do. So I yeah. kind of fell into that behavior. Mm. And anybody who's ever been on pills will tell you Vicodin leads to, it's weak to be honest, it's not that strong, mm. but it was enough to get me. Right, right. <laughs> it was enough to get me going, and at that time I was young. I mm. liked, uh, I liked to party. I was making decent money for my age because I opted out of going to college and went to the workforce instead. And so, getting it wasn't a problem because I was making money, right. and all my friends were in college. So if you want to be cool, you bring your friends all the goodies and the treats that uh, they can't afford because they're poor college kids. <laughs> You know, all the behavioral stupidities that I convinced myself were, oh, you're young, mm. you have time. Right. Um, and then all of that fun just kind of died. And I didn't realize it until, and this is what you and I were talking about last mm. time, that one time that I went bowling with my friends, mm. um, it was the most memorable moment where I was like, oh my God, you're an addict. You know, I would condemn other people and be like, well, I just do this for fun. This, But mm. when I went bowling with my friends one day, it started off with a couple drinks, as usual, mm -hmm. um, and my routine, take a, take a pill, give one to my friends if they want one, no problem. And at that time, I had some leftover Oxycontin, and that's pretty strong, and they also don't recommend that you mix that with Vicodin because they're very right. similar, and that can be really bad. Yeah. But I'm a pro, right? That's what I told myself. I'm invincible. Yeah, no, I know what I'm doing. I take these all the time. So I said that to myself, crushed up a Vicodin, sniffed that, took an Oxy, had a Vicodin pill, washed it down with some alcohol, had a little weed, mellow you out, and you just like create this weird cocktail in yourself mm. and you don't pay attention to why you're doing it. And yeah. when we went to the bowling alley and I started feeling that I wasn't having fun, like this is not fun as I normally mm. do this for, and it actually got scary. And... That in that fear, I felt my literally felt my body like shutting down, slipping wow. away from me. But my mind was like, "No, this is we do this all the time." Yeah. And I'm like, "What is this? I'm at odds with myself. Hmm. And I'm supposed to be having fun. I do this all the time." And I just feel my body like drooping and slipping and wow. getting out of my own control. Mm. And I'm not having fun. I'm not enjoying myself. And the fear kicks in, not not your standard, oh, you know, I'm afraid of heights or afraid of this, or like mm -hmm. a fear like, okay, you like this? And you have to answer your, you have to answer to yourself, do you like this? Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to answer it. So I was like, okay, then keep going. And I was like looking at it, almost like third person. You're looking at yourself and you're like, keep going. What do you mean keep going? I should be having a good time and I'm not. What is there to keep going? And it just hit me right on the spot. I'm like, if you do anything more, literally in this moment, if you do any more pills, any more drinking, anything else, you'll probably die because you are you have no control of your body. I mean, I was sitting there. I did, it was probably my turn. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> but I was sitting there. My body was just like zoned out, wow. completely sitting on the chair, zonked. My eyes, I couldn't keep them open. I felt the heaviest my eyelids had ever been. And it was as if you're watching yourself and you're just letting it slip away. But my mind, for some strange reason, uh, was like, okay, here's your choice. This is it. You can go down this, this path if you really want and be a full-blown addict, or you can wake up. And 
it wasn't like oh, okay i'm better now snappy but it was definitely that wake-up call like oh right. crap i have a problem like mm. uh, i really am doing this for no good reason at all there's even even fun is not a good reason so why did i think that i that was a funny thing to say or why would i think mm. that's humorous or put my friends in the same path as me and waking up from that was uh, an interesting experience because it led to a a, a bit of a different trajectory than the, the standard addiction pattern. It made me realize that it was my uh, rationality and my mental behavior and all the things that I justify my life as or identify my life as right. that are my addiction. Mm. It's not so much the substance. That'll grip you. That'll obviously pull you right. in. But the real underlying cause of my addictions is you have a problem with identifying who you want to be. Mm. And so from there, it slowly started coming to me that you need to start actually taking responsibility for the choices of your life. And you have to start um, embracing the fact that even though it's a crappy choice sometimes, you took it, you take responsibility for it, and mm. you move on with it. And from there, I, I literally, I don't think I've had, oh, I think I've had like Vicodin once or twice since, but I was so afraid to have it. But the pain was unbearable. And to the point where I don't know what's worse now, uh, to think that I could be a pill addict or to think that I could be in so much pain I need that pill. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, it's not worth, either way, it's not worth it to me. Right. And all of that is because I kind of restructured my, my way of thinking, my way, my approach to my mm. own life and taking mm. that under control for myself. And it helps to have, obviously a wife who cares about you and, mm. and stable family and people who want to, but you don't realize that until you are face-to-face -face with whatever your demon is. Right. And that manifested in many different ways. You know, the addiction was one, but I realized that my depression mm. was the exact same behavior. I was addicted to, in, in a weird way, your, my depression, I'm not going to put it on everyone, my depression was an addiction to feeling bad for myself, mm. allowing myself to slump. And be like, oh man, I'm trying so hard and making all these excuses, but not actually taking responsibility. That was the source of my depression. My anxiety, same thing. Oh, I'm not busy enough. I have to keep going. I don't want to fall into depression. At that point, all I'm doing, and a lot of people do this, is all you're doing is you're pinning being anxious against your depression. You're, you want to be anxious because you don't want to slip into that uh, drab, terrible, terrible feeling. And it is terrible. But at the same token, you don't want to polarize yourself to the other side and be just as bad and be like oh no i'm not productive or i'm overproductive or i'm hyper mm. and it becomes this whirlwind in your mind that you have to shut up literally shut right. it up right and when that kicked in which was years after i stopped doing pills and physical drugs like that uh, when that kicked in i'm like oh my god you did it again you fell for the exact same behavior, except this time it wasn't substances. It was just your mind. It was mm. your way of thinking. And I'm not saying that it will never happen again, right. but I think the, the adage of fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, I think that plays a factor in most people, sensible people's lives. Right. And I try to be sensible. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I see it as now, it's like, okay, you have to actively participate in your life. Mm. You have to. Every single day, every moment of awareness that you have, it's it's a chance. That's the whole, that's the simple way to put it. Is it's a chance to not be something you don't want to be. Right. And 
all of that can take you away from all of those things that I consider addictions, you know, mm -hmm. depression, uh, anxiety, pills, substances, all of those. Those are all forms of addictive behavior. And by being present, by relying on your faith, whatever that faith may be, mm -hmm. rely on those things and you can find yourself accomplishing more than you ever thought you could, even when you truly believed in yourself. Right. You know? right. So the polarity is there, but you have to be able to confront it. And that was mm -hmm. something I struggled with for a long time. No, I don't. <laughs> what was it that um, that allowed you to be able to confront that demon within yourself? Fear, without yeah. doubt. It, it took, honestly, I can only say that so easily now because over the last three months, I've been focusing on observing fear, mm -hmm. not just in myself, but in my surroundings. I mean, we're in pretty tough times right now. You know, yeah. This COVID crisis is no joke. Whether mm -hmm. you believe in it or not, it is affecting everyone. Right. You know, the people who don't believe it, well, they're forced to play by some rules they don't want to. And the people who do believe it are living in a great abundance of fear. So right. regardless, it is affecting you. Mm -hmm. So as I've been kind of watching this for the last three or four months, I assessed my old lifestyles and realized fear is very subtle. Mm. And when you can recognize how subtly fear is entering your life, uh, even to the point of where you're just rationalizing things to get away from making a decision, that can help you overcome a lot of that and help you identify where you are. You know, look at your surroundings and say, I don't want to live in fear, so I need to make a different choice because mm. the options in front of me are purely based on a fear-based uh, situation. Right. So that's kind of my approach to it now, mm. if that answers the question. <laughs> it does. <laughs> now let's talk a little bit about um, the depression and anxiety. Yeah. Cause I know there's a lot of people... Um, even before the whole COVID thing mm -hmm. happened that people were struggling with this, but people are struggling with that even more so now. And I feel like um, there's going to be, if not already, there's going to be a big boom in, yeah. in addiction and things like that because of the depression and anxiety. What are some practical ways that people can combat those, those tendencies without having to become reliant on some kind of drug? <clears throat> That's a, that's a really good question. It is hard to answer because it's subjective to everyone's personal dilemma with it. And I do want to add this really quick. We're not medical yeah. doctors at all, so please don't take this as medical advice. We're just talking about things that have worked for us. And, you know, please always talk to a medical professional. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you're saying talk to a medical professional. And at the same token, not to go pin right. against you, but at the same token, sometimes that's not not what's needed because a medical professional is there to assess based on what you tell them and when it comes to anxiety and depression you're not even being honest with yourself so how could you possibly mm. be honest with a medical professional most of the time I found in my own experiences in my worst depressions which I mean they I can say honestly that my worst depressions took me to a deeper hole than even my drug use did Hmm. And, um, you know, last time we recorded, I told you about the time where I just, I came home and I fell apart. I, yeah. I cried my eyes out. I hadn't seen my wife in days. I'm hmm. overworking myself. Another addiction that I found my addictive behavior, I should say, that I found yeah. myself in. And I just laid in front of the fireplace and I cried my eyes out for absolutely no reason because hmm. I just felt like you don't belong in this universe. And that's hmm. essentially what the deepest hole of depression is. It's right. trying right. to pull you away from what Every reality you're trying to hold on to hmm. and I, I, I feel like to seek medical attention for that is an option 
But if you truly, truly feel that that's not going to work for you, mm. then you have an obligation to supplement that with something, anything. Right. Right. So I know plenty of people who won't go to a therapist. They won't see a counselor. And uh, most of them I know from helping them with drug experiences mm. because they feel like they're going to be judged. They yeah. feel like if I go to this person, they're going to judge me or they're going to tell me a specific lifestyle pattern that doesn't work with how I live now. Right. And what they're not realizing is how you live now is exactly why you have the problem that you're going to. Mm. So it's kind of like you create a paradox in yourself that um, it can be extremely damaging and, and seeking medical attention should, I say, mm -hmm. should be reserved for when you're really, really in the grips of, I dare call it hell. Right. Um, but just seeking basic help is uh -huh. a much easier starting point if you don't allow it to get to that, that deep, dark hole. Right. Get it early. Right. You know, when you see on Facebook especially, right, or mm -hmm. any social media, oh, I'm here for my friends, I want to talk to them, I'm here for you, um, reach out to me no matter what. Up. I'll be honest and say I've scrolled past that when I've been in dark holes. And I look back at it now and I say, that could have helped. Yeah. I could have just found some companionship with someone and say, it's nice to talk to a familiar friend again. Right. That right there, that familiarity can pull you out of some pretty dark places. But you're mm -hmm. looking for a solution to a problem you don't know. Yeah. So that's where you come, you come at odds with yourself. And you just have to start, you know, take a deep breath. Mm. Be honest with yourself and say, okay. I'm not doing something for myself that is healthy. Right. I need someone else for something, anything. Yeah. I just yeah. need a different perspective. Right, right. Someone to like look at the situation objectively mm -hmm. and be able to shine a light on, on areas that maybe you don't even yeah. know are happening or that you don't see yourself. Yeah, and a lot of times what goes through, what went through my head is like, well, I don't want to burden someone else with my problems. Mm -hmm. But... If, if you can remember this, anybody who's going through depression and anxiety and mm -hmm. these mood swings and these uh, temperaments and these problems, if you can remember that the people you have in your life, you chose to be there because you feel like they can help you, then you should never feel guilty for reaching out to them. Right. You, you chose to have them in your life and you hopefully you trust them enough mm -hmm. to at least bounce some ideas off of or to just you know be an ear or a shoulder for you. If you feel like you have people in your life that are uh, are going to feel burdened by you, then you've you've chosen to be around some people that you probably shouldn't be around, and that's what you should be looking at. Right. You should be looking at the people you put yourself around, not your uh, how you react to them. That's very uh, very wise advice. It comes from having been around the wrong people frequently. Right. That's where the addictive behavior kicks in. Yeah. Like, you do randomly find yourself in the company of strangers when you are constantly pursuing addictive behaviors. Hmm. You, you find yourself around people who you think are going to help you achieve goal X, right. whatever that may be. But goal X is addictive behavior. Hmm. And so next thing you know, you're around all these variables, people who um, they are helping you, just not the way that you want because right. you really didn't want that for your life. And so when you look back on it, you try, you start the healing process and you're like, okay, I don't need these people in my life and I don't need these types of people. I don't need this mm -hmm. kind of energy in my life. And when you start doing that and you do some house cleaning, um, some of the anxiety, depression, and, and 
those things, it just goes away with it because yeah. you're not even yeah. around those people. So right. some of it's going to go away and the rest of it you're going to have to confront. But it's mm. very helpful mm. to remember that the people you have around you should be the people you want around you. And that's right. your choice to pursue. And there's nothing wrong. I, I feel like in our culture, it's, it's wrong to want to do something for yourself. Yeah, you know? we, yes, I agree with that. We put selfishness in a, in a very odd light. Yeah. We look, we always hear, at least in Western culture, you say selfish and all of a sudden it's just automatically associated with bad. Mm -hmm. But people forget that even if you do something like you help someone philanthropy or something like that, you feel good about what you did. And in some weird way, that's selfish too. Right. So if you, you can't, yeah, you, <laughs> you can't escape some selfishness in some ways, but you can put a, a, I dare say a moral twist, or you can at least put a, a good twist to it that fits the narrative you want to be so that when someone asks you, well, why were you selfish in this way? You can justify it mm. based on it. And, and if you made a mistake, you don't know, you know, excuse me, you would own up to it right there. Yeah. But you don't have to associate selfish with bad all the time. It's mm. if it's for good intentions. Like right. if I give money to the needy or if I go volunteer somewhere, I feel good about that. I am being selfish, but I would much rather take responsibility for that than be selfish and find myself in a place I don't want to be and be like, yeah. oh, well, uh, it happened to me. Right. That's an excuse. That's a, that's a, a victim stance. Exactly. A victor stance. Yeah, yeah, it's both. Yeah, you're right. It is both. You're trying to gain a sense of moral supremacy mm -hmm. and be the victor of the situation by playing the victim. Right. And, and it, just, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work, and it leads to... A, a great deal of angst, a great deal of internal angst that you're going to have to resolve one day or another. You never get rid of it by playing the victim. Right, right. You know, this is a really, um, this is a really courageous way of confronting depression and anxiety. Because I think it's, and I know I, I'm probably going to step on toes by saying this, we want to treat the depression and anxiety with, with a pill. Mm -hmm. It's basically putting a, a band-aid over it is like a, a flesh wound yeah and it, it just is. there's something deeper there's something um i dare say existential it, it that needs to is. be addressed it, it, and I agree. you know turning your eyes inward and looking at yourself and really trying to determine the cause of the depression and anxiety like is it the people i'm around is it my lifestyle is it my job is it what is it that's causing this um that's a really brave and courageous mm -hmm. way of of, of facing that. Yeah, that's where what we said earlier, This is that's like the anomaly of, oh, you know, you don't need pills. You don't need, we're not saying that. I mean, right. When you and I talk about this, we're right. not saying, oh, all depression Ditch and anxiety. Ditch the pills. Yeah. Just, yeah, just do there, yeah. there are chemical imbalances in people that do need to be regulated mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. But if you look up any statistic, and I don't have any in front of me, but if you look up any statistic, the odds of actually having a real chemical imbalance in your brain that cannot be fixed without pills yeah. is actually very low, extremely right. low. Most depression and anxiety right now does come from an existential or spiritual place, if whichever yeah. you want to call it. Right. Um, and it has to do with the decisions that you make and how you handle them. Hmm. And that causes a spiritual, or excuse me, a, a chemical imbalance. Yeah. But it's not that your body automatically produces these uh, serotonins and mm -hmm. all these things that uh, oh, I, it just how it's how it happens. No, you put right. yourself in positions where this uh, 
melatonin doesn't kick in right, serotonin doesn't kick in right. I'm not an expert on that. I'm just throwing the names out there. Right. But, but when those emotions start taking over you, you you just didn't take active charge of your life. And I know that sounds terrible to say mm-hmm. to someone, especially if they're in the midst of a horrible funk right now. Yeah. yeah. That would be a terrible thing to say to them. Mm-hmm. But there are ways to slowly get them to realize that. It's like, all right, you're in a funk right now. Mm-hmm. And the worst thing I could say to you is, it's all in your mind. Right. Terrible thing to say. Yeah. But if I can get you to realize, maybe sidestep some of those things and help you say, okay, look, look what you're doing to yourself. Mm-hmm. Look at the maze that you're putting your mind through. Most of the time, all you have to do is get someone to realize you're already asking a bombardment of questions to yourself. So why not change what those questions sound like? Why not mm-hmm. put them in a different light and ask more um, spiritually, soulfully fulfilling questions? Things that, yes, I have to confront myself, but I'm not, I don't feel bad doing it because right. it's going to help me. That's what you can do differently to um, alleviate some of that angst. Yeah. Now, looking back at um, at young college Hector, college age Hector, <laughs> what is um, what would have? I'm stumbling over my words here. What would you want someone to do for young Hector? How would you help young Hector? Mm. It's tough because. A lot of those, I'm very grateful for a lot of those mistakes. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful that I didn't die that day. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm grateful that I learned from it and, and learned from my workaholic life and all those addictive behavior things that happened to me. But at the same token, it could have been avoided if I would have uh, learned somehow, if I could have shaken myself and said, mm. trust people more. Yeah. Trust people. You're putting mm. yourself, like we were saying earlier, you're putting yourself around these people because you want to be around them. Start to trust them. If they really are there to help you, then they will. But if you're putting yourself around people who are not going to help you, you're going to notice based on how how often you're in bad situations. Right. And if you don't notice, then you enjoy being in bad situations. And that's where you need professional help. Mm. That's where you should seek someone who, hey, you're, I dare say, addicted to being in bad situations. Yeah. That's where you need a mental health professional or even a, a... you know, a doctor of some sort. Right. That is a completely different thing. But we were, like we are just saying, that's an anomaly. Most mm-hmm. people, it's like, you just got to face the facts that you sometimes enjoy putting yourself in situations. And when you're in them, you don't enjoy them. Mm. So you got to choose. Which one is it? Enjoy getting into the situation and not, or change it completely. What would you say to people out there listening that may be struggling with anxiety and depression? What do you think is a simple step that they can start implementing in their life today that might help them slowly but surely creep out of that hole. See it as a sign. See anxiety and depression as, this is gonna sound terrible, I'm sorry, but see them as blessings. Hmm. It That took me a long time, and even now, I, I still go through some funks here and there, yeah, yeah. but I, I actively see them as blessings when they hmm. kick in. It's like, oh man, I am feeling down. I have a, a slight depression spell. It happened to me a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about I'm so nervous. Mm-hmm. I was anxious first and then I got depressed that the life mm-hmm. that I'm about to live, which you know, I'm working for myself completely now, yeah. that's scary. Right. But in the past, if I would have been like, oh man, am I going to do it? Asking all the wrong questions. How can mm-hmm. I do this? That wasn't going to help me. Right. So when I now see depression and anxiety and those uh, um, triggers 
as a blessing, mm. as as something that I can uh, at least pinpoint as something uh, as as I don't even know what to, what word to put it. Blessing mm. is probably the best word. If I can see it that way, then I can at least take it as a positive, and I can use it as ammunition against some of the things I don't want in my life. Right. right. That's probably the best advice I could give anyone struggling with severe, severe depression, anxiety. Like, learn to see it as a blessing. Because mm-hmm. if you have the potential, or the, the ability, I should say, to be so bogged down, so physically, mentally, and spiritually in pain by it, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, hor- it's the worst feeling that you could possibly um, feel. Right. If you have that ability, imagine what's on the polar opposite side of it. If you could mm. just convince yourself somewhere in there that you don't want this anymore yeah. and that you have the power somewhere in there. You don't know where, mm. you don't know how, but you have that power to change it. Right. And you just got to look for help. If mm. you can convince yourself of that, it will help you take steps. It's not going to be quick. Mm. It never is it going to be easy. Right. Anyone... I'm going to say this just because I have to. Anyone who tells you, oh, I have an easy way to help you with depression and anxiety, run away from them. (laughs) Run away from anyone who uses the word easy Mm. when it comes to fixing depression and anxiety. There's nothing easy about it, ever. And that's that's where you have to learn, okay, fine, it's not going to be easy, then I'm going to take this uh, as a sign, as some kind of blessing that... Something needs to be fixed, but I'm powerful. I'm here today. Right. I'm powerful enough to fix it somehow. Mm. I just got to figure out what that is. Yeah, yeah. Hector, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for sharing your story, sharing your thoughts and insights. Um, thank you for letting me ramble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I sincerely hope that if anyone out there listening to this is struggling with anxiety and depression, I just want to encourage you to reach out to somebody that you trust. Um, talk to them about this. Don't be afraid to... Uh, um, to share what's going on in your life and I can I'll give you my information if you put it on with your podcast sure. anybody can reach out to me perfect it's quite literally what I now what I do for my entire life is help people with development thank you guys so much for listening thank and you. we will uh, we'll see you next time thank you so much for listening this podcast would not be possible without you if you're struggling with depression anxiety or drug addiction I'd like you to encourage you to reach out to someone that you trust. Hector also asked me to share his information with you. So if you'd like to contact him, his contact information will be in the description below. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.